Today on the Matt Wall Show, detransitioners are speaking out to tell their horrifying stories revealing the reality of so-called gender affirmation surgery, but trans activists and big tech are conspiring to silence these voices, as always. Also, pro-abortion terrorists are promising to ramp up their campaign of violence and intimidation as we await the uh, decision on Roe. And Ben Shapiro causes controversy by claiming that Disney has a gay agenda, even though Disney admits that it has a gay agenda. Plus, a star NFL quarterback speaks out against the scourge of quote-unquote crazy guns. And our daily cancellation, a TikTok star complains after being turned away from a horse ranch because she exceeds the weight limit for horses. Well, whose fault is that? We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Gas prices, you have noticed, are terribly high. They're only going to get more, uh, even worse as, as the summer drags on. And But here's the, here's the good news. There's an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called Upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code Walsh for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up. Getting that cash back, it's as easy as that. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Upside. Just download the app for free. Use promo code Walsh for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. And uh, by the way, it's not just for gas. You can earn cash back at grocery stores, restaurants. You can use it with uh, takeout. And you can cash out anytime to your bank account or an e-gift card for select retailers and brands. So it's very easy to do. Uh, uh, no effort goes into it at all, and you're making money back. There's just there's no downside to this. It's all upside. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code Walsh for 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. Just use my promo code Walsh. Again, that's code Walsh. Well, some of the most powerful voices in the battle against gender ideology are the detransitioners, people who have gone through the quote-unquote gender transition process, seen it up close, experienced it firsthand, and then turned around to go back. But the great tragedy in these stories is that as they turn around to head back in the other direction, they find that the drawbridge has been lifted. Their return route has been taken away because there's no way to fully get back to where they were before, who they were before. Um, They were lured across the bridge and then trapped there. Damage that was done is permanent. They cannot entirely reclaim the body and identity that has been taken from them. But they can shout to anyone else who might cross the bridge to warn them, to tell them to, you know, not to come here. It's a trap. And that's why their voices are so powerful. It's one thing for those of us who've never crossed the bridge to point to it and say, well, don't don't go there. You don't want to see what's on the other side. But it's another thing for the people who've actually crossed it to say the same. Because if, if you're really determined to fool yourself, you might dismiss the people on your side of the bridge who've never seen the other side. But it's very difficult to dismiss the people who've been there and can give you firsthand accounts of the horror that awaits you. So yesterday I read to you uh, one of of these stories, a detransitioned male who goes by the handle Tulip R on Twitter and is a member of the group called um, GenSpect, which is an organization of parents, medical professionals, and detransitioners warning about the realities of these Frankenstein butchery procedures. The story that he shared is, like all such stories, harrowing and horrifying. No matter how many times you read them, you still just sit there dumbstruck, sort of unable to believe that this is actually happening and that that that, that we are doing this to people. He says that he's been left mutilated with no sexual function, unable to even use the bathroom normally. Um, He's now overcome by grief and anger all the time, furious at the people who did this to him, and rightly so. 
He was apparently an adult when he underwent the genital mutilation procedures, but that doesn't relieve the doctors of their moral and professional responsibilities. They should have treated his mental afflictions, but instead they carved up his body to conform it to his deluded mental state, and they did that for money. That's, that's the reason that they did it. There's no defending that. But why defend it when you can just silence? For years, the detransitioners were simply uh, chased off to the margins, ignored by almost everybody. They spoke out, but nobody would listen. Now that's starting to change. People are listening. Which, which means the left has to resort to other tactics. And that's why, without explanation, Twitter has been going through this man's uh, Twitter thread and deleting the most shocking details from his account. They're just going through and saying, no, you, no one's allowed to see that part of this. He confirmed that the deleted tweets in the thread were not deleted by him. Twitter made that decision. For, for instance, as an archive of the thread shows, one of the tweets that Twitter deleted said, quoting now, he said, I tore a sutra four days post-recovery. They promised to address it. I begged them in emails to fix it. They scorned me instead. Years later, I have what looks like a chunk of missing flesh next to my neo-vagina. It literally looks like someone hacked at me. They still won't fix it. By the way, this is very consistent with the kind of thing we heard from Scott Nugent in our film, What is a Woman? Um, and what, what she told us is similar in the sense, now that's a, a female to male, this in this case, male to female, but similar in the sense that what Scott Nugent told us is that um, you experience all these problems from this procedure and the people who did it to you are not going to help you. They just don't care. Because here's the thing, if they cared about you, if they had any compassion for you, if they cared about your well-being, they never would have done this to you in the first place. So it's not in their interest to try to help you after the fact. Um, they're not apparently legally required to do so. And so they're just not going to do it because they, they want to pretend that you don't exist. Yeah, that's the thing. If you, once you go through this and it's um, and you're dealing with all these problems, well, you don't exist anymore as far as they're concerned. Here's another detail that Twitter doesn't want you to see because they deleted it. Uh, he wrote, and if you, t if you do take testosterone after being post-op, you run the risk of internal hair in the neo-vagina. Imagine dealing with internal hair growth after everything. What a choice. Be healthy on testosterone and a freak or remain a sexless eunuch. Now, trans activists mass reported the thread to stop people from seeing it. And Twitter has apparently obliged by slowly deleting the most shocking details from it. There's no argument that this is hate speech or misinformation. He's simply reporting his own experiences. His lived experiences. I thought they're supposed to care about lived experience. Trans activists don't want you to see it because they're hiding the truth and they know that they're hiding it. You know, one of the questions I get asked a lot in interviews is um, whether the gender ideologues featured in What is a Woman are actually confused and deluded or are they being intentionally deceptive? Is this insanity or malice? And the answer was pretty clear to me while filming it and has become all the more clear since its release. This is malice. Now, there's a fair amount of insanity mixed into this picture here, part of one of the ingredients that, that uh, goes into the pot, but they know what they're doing. They know that most of what they say is nonsense. They know that they have no defense, and so they silence. The censorship efforts have been ramped up significantly over the last few weeks, it seems to me. In fact, at the same time that Twitter has been combing through detransitioner tweets to delete the most problematic stuff, problematic to their agenda anyway, 
They've also banned a journalist named Savannah Hernandez. Now, they never gave an explanation for her ban. This is not the first time that she's been banned. But perhaps uh, one is not needed. Here's the last video she posted before they booted her. She's at a, this is a, she's at a, a pride march interviewing people, almost all young people, about their own personal self-identification. That's all she's doing. And she got banned, but here's the video. Um, I'm gay. <laughs> what age did you know that you were gay? Um, I think at like 10, I knew that I, I think at 10, but I wasn't like, I wasn't clear on my gender. Yeah, I, I think it, it was around like 10 as well when I, st I started questioning if I was bi. And then since then it was kind of like a, a slippery slope because I kept, I was like, am I bi, omni, lesbian? And then I, I kind of like came to the point and then now recently I've been like, am I pan? But then I like, I think... Now I'm starting to realize that I'm queer, but yeah, it was, it started around 10. It wasn't like fully formed, but I guess like, that's when I realized, wait, that's a possibility. Yeah. I am genderqueer, trans mask, and queer. What's trans mask? Trans mask is like people under the non-binary umbrella identifying like, or presenting mask. Masculine? Yeah. What about you? Um, I'm trans and, uh, Un, my sexuality is unlabeled. Um, I use he, him pronouns. Yeah, and I use he, they pronouns. Tell us what you guys identify as. We're asking everyone here gay. today. Gay. Gay. Cis. Um, what is it? Cisgender male. There we go. I don't know. Gender, gender neutral or gender fluid. I think that's what they said. I don't know. I'm confused. Do so you identify as gender fluid? <laughs> I don't know. She, her... It, I feel like, honestly, honestly, it should not be a bad thing. Like, I've talked to people who go with they and them. And I'm like, well, in the grammar of things, how would you want to represent yourself? I was like, I mean, I guess it. Well, it's obvious why they don't want anyone to see that. As we discovered with What is a Woman, the most damning thing you can do to an LGBT activist is just let them talk. There's nothing you can say to them that will condemn or discredit them more than their own words. And in this case, we see how uh, these people, though they're marching for pride, don't have any concept of their own identity. I mean, what are they proud of exactly? They're simply rattling off a list of labels they clearly don't understand themselves. But you can't blame them for not understanding labels because uh, labels like pan and omni and cis don't mean anything anyway. It's all gibberish. Finally, we hear from one guy who identifies as an it. He has dehumanized himself. He refers to himself as an object, a thing. Though we should give him credit for some measure of honesty. After all, a person with no gender, if such a person existed, which they don't, but if they did, and that, if that's what you're pretending you are, then you would indeed be an it, not a they. They refers to multiple people. It refers to an individual thing that can't be otherwise defined or labeled. I mean, if you if you were walking along and you found a strange, ominous-looking like object laying on the ground, you would shout to the person standing next to you, uh, don't go near it. That would be grammatically correct, though it's deeply psychologically unhealthy for a person to see themselves that way. This is what the LGBT cult has become. People don't find themselves or express their true identities when they fall prey to it. Rather, they, they lose themselves. They lose any firm notion that they are a self. 
they get lost in this disorienting fog where every person has a million labels and none of the labels really mean anything. These are not people proud of their identities. These are people without identities. They don't know who they are or even what they are. That's what happens with the so-called gender affirmation surgeries, the butchery, the mutilation. You're male, you want to be a woman. You're never going to be a woman. But what you can do is remove the outward markers of your own manhood. So you can, you can take that away from yourself. And then you're just stuck in this kind of limbo, as these detransitioners tell us. And that's why all you have to do is reveal it. Just let these people talk for five seconds to see it, which is why these kinds of videos and the people who make them must be just wiped out. We should note that Ali Beth Stuckey was also suspended this week for criticizing that Fox segment about the trans toddler. Meanwhile, Libs of TikTok, who's been on a crusade over the last uh, few weeks to expose all of the drag events for kids that we've talked about on this show, has now been inundated with death threats by people telling her, stop posting this stuff or I'm going to kill you. As you know, I received similar treatment after we released my film. This is how desperate these people are. They're backed into a corner. They're surrounded on all sides by their own incoherence and moral insanity. They backed themselves into that corner. We didn't put them there. So they're lashing out. They're running scared. The truth is catching up to them. All they have left to do is threaten and uh, censor. But it's not going to work. The truth will be made known one way or another. Now let's get to our five headlines. Well, those of you who saw my uh, barbecue TikTok reaction video a couple weekends ago know that I, I love grilling up good ranchers for my family and uh, reacting to TikTok videos too, I guess. I like both of those things equally, I suppose. Well, grilling season is officially upon us. That's the good news. And if you're looking for the perfect cuts of American beef, chicken, and seafood this summer, you should check out Good Ranchers as well. Maybe leave the TikTok out of it. Just stick with the Good Ranchers. My family eats Good Ranchers because they deliver right to your door. Uh, once you subscribe, your price is locked in for good. And if that wasn't enticing enough, Good Ranchers is giving away two free ribeyes, $100 value, to uh, my listeners for a limited time only. And you heard that right. Just go to GoodRanchers.com slash Walsh. Use my promo code Walsh to get two 18-ounce prime center cut ribeyes free with your order. I can tell you, just like everything Good Ranchers has, they are delicious. You don't want to miss out on this offer. It's a limited time offer, so don't miss. Uh, other places will charge you over $50 per steak for ribeyes like these. Good Ranchers is giving two of them away for free. These are USDA prime, 100% American steakhouse quality cuts of beef. Just go to GoodRanchers.com slash Walsh and claim your ribeyes today before they run out. Take my advice. Break up with grocery store meat. Shop Good Ranchers today. Speaking of making threats, you know, word on the street was that the Supreme Court would release its Roe decision today. Um, that didn't end up happening. I mean, it's been a couple weeks now of uh, there's a slate of decisions they're going to announce, and then everyone thinks they're going to announce Roe, and then they don't. Uh, I believe that today was the last day they had on the schedule officially to release decisions, but they still didn't release this one. So uh, they go on break starting in July, which means, I don't know, maybe they'll wait for the very last day of June and just announce the decision, skip out of town as soon as possible and go hide somewhere. Can't really blame them for that. I mean, after all, there was a, a crazy leftist who showed up at Kavanaugh's house to assassinate him. So I'm sure all of that is being factored in. Um, and 
Uh, and they want to get out. You know, I say they want to get out of town before the protest. But when we say protest, we, we really mean terrorism because that's what the left is doing here. Um, as reported by the Post Millennial, it says pro-abortion militant group Jane's Revenge has declared that their 30 days of patience and mercy have come to an end. Uh, in an open letter, they said, your 30 days expired yesterday. We offered an honorable way out. You could have walked away. Now the leash is off and we will make it as hard as possible for your campaign of oppression to continue. It's not exactly clear who they're talking to. I guess they're just talking to, they're talking to pro-lifers in general, just all of us is who this threat is being um, made against. We have demonstrated in the past month how easy and fun it is to attack. We are versatile. Uh, we are mercurial. And we answer to no one but ourselves. We promise to take increasingly drastic actions against oppressive infrastructures. Rest assured that we will. And those measures may come in the form of something so easily cleaned up as a fire and graffiti. Sometimes you will see what we do and you will know that it is us. Sometimes you will think you merely are unlucky because you cannot see the ways which we interfere in your affairs. But your pointless attempts to control others and make life more difficult will not be met passively. Um, the group takes responsibility, post-millennial reports, for recent attacks on pregnancy and pro-life centers in um, Madison, in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, Colorado, Massachusetts, Washington, Iowa, North Carolina, there was a couple attacks in, uh, in Washington, New York, Florida, more attacks in Washington, more in Texas, Oregon. So they've already committed these attacks, mostly vandalism of pro-life centers, pregnancy centers, and now they're threatening to do more. This, of course, is not getting a lot of attention in the media. I mean, you have a, you have a terrorist organization openly making threats and like pretending to be these these like comic book supervillains, do what we want, or they, they, there will be more attacks, and uh, and they're doing this, and it's you know, the media is just ignoring it, as always, because if they don't ignore it, then they'll have to admit that um, that an awful lot of the domestic terrorism we see in this country happens on the left, when their narrative, of course, is that it never happens on the left; it's all right wing violence. Um, I can't remember the last time we had something like this from a right-wing group. Staging a string of attacks, coordinated attacks all across the country. And openly threatening to do more if they don't get what they want. Which in this case, of course, even if you scare a bunch of pregnancy centers and pro-life centers, that's not going to do anything to stop Roe v. Wade from being overturned. And just think about how this, this is not breaking news, given who these people are, and they support killing babies. But think about how evil you have to be to go after a pregnancy center. You know what pregnancy centers do? Um, this might surprise you if, you if you're relying on you know, the left to tell you for your information, especially about pregnancy centers. But no, they don't, they don't go out and like kidnap women and force them to have babies. Okay, they, they, don't, they don't do that. All they do is offer resources to women who are oftentimes having, you know, a, a crisis pregnancies. And the interesting thing is that that's exactly what the left says we don't do, right? They say, oh, well, you only care. You're, you're only pro-birth. You're not pro-life. You don't actually care. You don't care about women. You don't care about the babies. Once the baby's born, you don't care about the, about the baby. Well, that's exactly what pregnancy centers do. They care for women. They provide resources to women. 
And they, and they also care for the babies once the babies are born. So on one hand, we don't do this. This, is, this doesn't exist. On the other hand, we, we do this and it's bad. And uh, if you're one of the, in, in one of these organizations, then you, you know, you, there's going to be terrorist attacks against your facilities. I guess if you burn all the pregnancy centers down, then you can claim that this doesn't exist and nobody does it. Yeah, because you burned them all down. But I think when it comes to this kind of thing, there's a balance we have to strike with um, people like Jane's Revenge. I feel the same way about the Antifa nerds. On the one hand, these are terrorists and, and, and they should be arrested and prosecuted to the full extent of the law. They are dangerous in the sense that anybody can be dangerous. Even a nerd can be dangerous. We've seen that. So that's the case on one hand. But on the other hand, we should also be clear that these people are pathetic and ridiculous and weak and cowardly. And they're not going to scare anybody away from the pro-life position. I'm not scared. I don't know about you. Are you scared of, of Jane's revenge? We will, we will rain down our wrath upon you. Uh, okay, go ahead. You're not scaring anybody. We're, you know what we're doing? We're laughing in your face. That's what we're doing. And what's more, they want, uh, they're, they're promising a summer of chaos, right? And violence and everything. And that's what they want. They want just chaos as soon as Roe v. Wade is, is announced, as soon as the decision is, uh, is announced and Roe is overturned. They want chaos and violence all across the country. They're doing everything they can to promote that, to encourage it. But, um, and I could be wrong about this. Maybe I'll eat my words. I don't think it's going to happen. I think once Roe is, is announced, there's going to be some, there's going to be more of this kind of vandalism and that sort of thing, which is really bad. And as I said, should be prosecuted. Though I suspect that law enforcement in a lot of these cities where this is happening aren't uh, exactly going out of their way to track down the people responsible, but they should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. But that, I think that's what it's going to be. There's going to be uh, vandalism, more of that. There might be some outbursts here and there of rioting, but I suspect probably not even that. Again, I could be wrong. But I don't think there's going to be even one riot in response to Roe Ro being overturned. I think groups like this on the left are going to do everything they can to get that going, get the wheels turning. But I don't really think it's going to happen because... Um, as I've been saying, the, 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 the dirty little secret here is that actually um, most Americans are pretty apathetic about this issue. Really, they don't care that much. And they kind of fall down, right down in the middle of the abortion issue. Now, there, there really is no middle. There is no um, comprehensible, coherent middle position on abortion. Does, that doesn't really exist. Either the child in the womb is a human being, is a person— or not. And there's no, there's no in-between there. And if the child is a person, is a human being, then that human being should have human rights, the same human rights that any, any of the rest of us have. So th there, there doesn't really exist a middle position. Even so, most Americans are looking for that middle position that doesn't exist. They're mostly apathetic about this. They shouldn't be. I mean, people should care deeply on the pro-life side of it. But this is something that even pro-lifers have run into. Now, we're not out there trying to encourage violence, but we are trying to get people to care about this issue more than they, than they do. And we've had a lot of success in that regard, but I think still most people are basically 
They just see it as something that doesn't affect their lives that much. Um, and that's going to work against the left in this case, because what they're going to want is just months and months of outrage. What they want is what we saw in 2020 with the BLM uh, riots. And I don't think they're going to get it. All right. So Ben Shapiro is in trouble again. He's been trending on Twitter for a, a tweet that he posted. Very offensive tweet. I am personally troubled by it. In fact, I, I disavow this tweet and Ben Shapiro right here, right now. Ben tweeted in response to a, this is a, you know, the, the new Buzz Lightyear movie is coming out because they just keep, keep putting these movies out. And they got rid of Tim Allen, so they got someone else playing Buzz Lightyear. I don't even know. Um, and this is supposed to be, I think this is, what is it? This is supposed to be the, the real life Buzz Lightyear story. So this is, Buzz Lightyear and Toy Story is a, is a toy based on a show within the movie. And that show within the movie, it was based on a, on a real guy. It was not really real, obviously. And so this Buzz Lightyear is about the guy that the show that the toy was based on. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, they're just so, basically the movie exists because they want to sell more Toy Story toys. That's, that's really, it's, it's, the movie exists to sell more Buzz Lightyear merchandise. But they threw this lesbian kiss scene into this Buzz Lightyear movie and uh, Ben tweeted in response to that, he said, Disney works to push a not-at-all-secret gay agenda and seeks to add queerness to its programming, according to executive producer LaToya Ravino. Parents should keep that in mind before deciding whether to take their kids to see Lightyear, which hits theaters this week. Children are not adults, which m- what may be appropriate for adults is not appropriate for children. That this must be said at all demonstrates that our society is in a state of moral collapse. Wow, Ben, that's awful stuff. Oh, wait a second. Hold on. That's, um, no, never mind. He's, he's actually, no, he's, he's directly quoting Disney itself. So it's, okay, right, right. This, no, this is not some crazy conspiracy theory about Disney having a gay agenda. No, no, th- that is what D- Disney itself has said. Executives at Disney have themselves said, we have them on tape, okay? They're on video saying that they have a not-so-secret gay agenda. That's their words. So Ben is quoting them directly. Oh, okay. But it's still offensive for reasons that are not entirely clear, clear to me. The other thing is that we know this scene in, in Lightyear was uh, originally cut from the film because it was decided by the peop- by the filmmakers that they needed to cut it for time and it, it just it didn't need to be in there and it didn't really move the story along. And so they cut it out, right? Um, they put it back in directly in response to the anti-groomer bill in Florida. And they were very public about that. There's, that's not anyone's interpretation. That's not Ben Shapiro's interpretation. It's not mine. They said, we're going to put this scene back in there as kind of a, a middle finger to, the, to all those crazy right-wingers in Florida. So it's in there for, for political and ideological reasons. That is a fact. And these kinds of scenes are added to Disney films and Disney shows because of their agenda to promote their ideological viewpoints. That is also a fact. They are open about it. They admit it. They're now setting up quotas within the company for, you know, you have to have a certain amount of LGBT, quote, representation in, in, in the shows. Now, so this is not, you, you might want to respond to somebody making the point that Ben's making or that I'm making and say, well, 
no, you know, gay people exist in the world. And so this is just, just it's a, you know, they're, it's, sometimes they're going to be in stories and that's, that's all this is. Just telling a story and it's part of the story and that's it. Except that's not it. They're not, they, they added the scene back in, not because they decided it was necessary for the story. They added it back in for political reasons. So that's the difference. That this stuff is put in there for ideological and political reasons. Not because it's good for the story. And that's why uh, it's so rare these days that Hollywood puts out a good film because they don't care about the story anymore. I mean, they still they care about making money, obviously, as they always have. But bef- even before that, and certainly before any consideration about the story, it's about the political messaging. That comes first and foremost. So that's just simply a fact. If you, if you don't like it, if you don't like uh, anyone referring to Disney's uh, gay agenda, then take it up with Disney. They're the ones who said they had it. All right, let's see. This is from The Hill. It says, a spate of recent legislation in Republican-controlled states has brought the topic of transgender sports competition to the forefront of the national conversation. Now, a new poll conducted by The Washington Post and University of Maryland found the majority of Americans, 55%, are opposed to allowing transgender female athletes to compete with other women and girls in high school sports. A higher proportion, 58%, reported the same opinion at the college and professional sports level. A total of 1,500 adults completed the poll between May 4th and May 17th, um, representing a random sample of U.S. households. While 50% of res- 15% of respondents had no opinion on the matter, around 30% of Americans agree that transgender women and girls should be able to compete at any sporting level. Now, one thing you have to understand about this, they say 55% are opposed to quote-unquote transgender females competing against, quote, other women and girls, that number is way higher, okay? Already, even even based on this incredibly biased poll, biased in favor of the left, even there, with the way that they manipulated this and presented it, uh, still a majority are opposed to the trans agenda. But you also have to keep two things in mind. Um, Number one, there's a lot of fear. As we discovered making what is a woman, talking to people, even off the record, even off camera, they're, they're, a lot of people are terrified to tell anyone what they really believe. Maybe they'll tell the people closest to them in a private setting, in the comfort of their own home, sitting in their own living room. Maybe they'll be honest about it. But outside of that, people are terrified to speak a little bit of common sense into this issue. So there's a lot of fear you have to overcome. That 15% who say they don't know, um, I'd say the majority of them, probably all of them, it's, it's less I don't know and more I'm too afraid to say one way or another. So really you can add that 15% to the 55%. But then also keep in mind the, it's the way that these polls are often worded. Now, I don't, this doesn't have the actual wording of the poll, but the way, certainly if it's worded in a way that reflects how it's been reported, well, in the reporting, it says, it, we're calling them transgender females, first of all. Well, they're not, they're not females. Female is a, is a biological term. So the term trans female doesn't make any sense. And then they say other. Should they be able to compete against other women and girls? Which, obviously, 
assumes that they are women also. So you've got that premise, which is embedded into the question itself. And that's going to confuse people. Like the, the, uh, the average person still, when you say the phrase trans woman to them, they're not even sure what that means. So a trans woman, is that a, is that a female who says that she's trans? Or is that, a lot of people don't even know. There's a lot of confusion intentionally. So you got to get past that confusion. And also the way that this issue is often presented, it's a question of, well, should, um, should, and the way people often think about it is, should transgender people be allowed to compete in sports or not? That obviously is not the question. It's not, I've, I haven't heard anybody argue that trans people shouldn't be allowed to compete in sports. There's, there's no, no laws have been passed outlawing trans people from sports. Uh, the issue is just whether females should compete against other females and males against other males. So fear, confusion, uh, wording is is vague, all of that stuff. And uh, even so, you end up still with a majority of people who are against it. But I think the actual number is probably, I don't know, 95%. All right, let's go to this. Joe Burrow is the quarterback for the uh, Bengals. And as we know, when it comes to any important social issue, uh, we always want to hear from athletes because they're they're experts in everything. We you know we need we need their opinion on all societal issues, um, especially gun rights. So here's what Joe Burrow has to say about uh, the gun rights issue. You know, with everything that's going on, if you're not going to outlaw everything, you got to at least make it harder to to get those those crazy guns that everybody's using. Um, I don't think you should be able to just walk in there and buy one. You got to be able to go through. You know, a, a rigorous process to to be able to buy something like that. I think so. You know, hopefully, the people that get paid to make those decisions figure that out. My job is to play football, but hopefully, the politicians can figure that one out. Well said. Uh, we want to we want to keep the crazy gun. So the crazy guns we got to keep away from people. Um, so it's a crazy. And then, but then the the sane the the sane guns, the not crazy ones, th- those are fine. So that's that's the dividing line, crazy guns. And I think actually, uh, like I'm not a constitutional scholar, but I think is, that's in the that's in the Second Amendment, isn't it? It's in there because it says you know shall not be infringed right to bear arms. But then it also says um, unless it's a crazy gun, and then in which case it can be you know you can't don't have the right to that. So I'm pretty, that's it might be an invisible ink. There's a lot of stuff in invisible ink in the Constitution, but. You know, really, you hear that and you want to make fun of Joe Burrow, but that's as coherent as anybody else on the gun control side. The only difference is that he he's delineating between crazy guns and not crazy guns. Usually it's scary guns versus the not as scary guns. That's, that's normally how they group these things. Crazy, scary, kind of the same thing. All right, this is from Axios. It says, nearly a quarter of college students who wouldn't be friends uh, rather, nearly a quarter of college students wouldn't be friends with someone who voted for the other presidential candidate, with Democrats far more likely to do dismiss people than Republicans, um, according to the New Generation Lab Axios polling. It says, uh, by the numbers, 5% of Republicans said they wouldn't be friends with somebody from the opposite party compared to 37% of Democrats. 71% of Democrats wouldn't go on a date with someone with opposing views versus 31% of Republicans. And 30% of Democrats and 7% of Republicans wouldn't work with someone or for someone who uh, voted differently from them. Now, I've seen these results 
uh, you know, being being posted, especially by people on the right, by conservatives, and uh, very sort of proud of themselves and and saying, "See, we're 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 the open-minded ones. We'll we'll date someone. It's the Democrats who aren't open-minded." I actually think the Democrats have the right idea here. I think I think they're right. Now, be friends with someone who votes differently from you. That's that's one thing. And we have to talk about what we even mean by friends. Like, we're talking a friendly acquaintance. Even that. Now, if I want to have a real, uh, deep, meaningful friendship with someone, that is going to be very difficult if they're on the left. Because we just have, there's really nothing in common. Doesn't mean you can't be a friendly acquaintance with someone, but if you want to be a, if there's a chance for a real bond and a real friendship, even that is going to be pretty difficult. But dating someone, I think Democrats, they're exactly right here. And if you're a Republican, you should be happy that most Democrats have this view because they're going to save you, especially if you're single and you're on the dating scene. The fact that, you know, if you're, if you're a single man on the dating scene, the fact that, according to the poll, most Democrat women will not date you. That is, that is a good thing. That's for your own good. They're saving you from themselves. Just let them do it. But especially when it comes to a romantic relationship, dating someone, it just doesn't work. Because this goes beyond, this is not just who you vote for. It's the, we're, we're differentiating by Republican and Democrat right now, but that's not really the point. Um, the ideological lines are so deep now. And the gap between the two sides is so vast that, again, it's one thing to be a friendly acquaintance with someone, but to have a romantic relationship with somebody who's on the other side of that vast, cavernous divide, how is it even possible? You have to have some basic fundamental things in common. You have to, have, and that has to get down to your, your values as a human being. What do you care most about, most deeply about? Opposites attract, yes, but that, there we're talking about personality, temperament, uh, maybe hobbies and interests and that kind of thing. My wife has a very different personality for me, very different. Like it could not be diametrically opposite a personality for me. And yet we've been married happily for uh, almost 11 years. And that's because personality is one thing. And that keeps things interesting when you're dating someone, you're with someone who has a different personality. I wouldn't want to, I cannot imagine spending every day in a house with someone with the same personality as me. That, that would be a nightmare. I feel sorry for my wife. Um, so that's okay. That's good. But underneath that, you have to have your, you have to have the same values and priorities in life. Because if you don't have those, that's when everything falls apart very quickly in a relationship. All right. Um, speaking of relationships that didn't work out, I wanted to play this clip for you also. We played this, something yesterday of Amber Heard, who was uh, speaking out now and doing interviews um, after losing her defamation case. And I still have a question, and I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to this, so maybe this is a dumb question. But from a legal perspective, if you lose a defamation case because you made certain claims about somebody, and then you were found liable for defamation, and then after the defamation case and you lose it, you go out into the public, into the media, and repeat the claims that you just got sued for. Can you not get sued again? And wouldn't you almost immediately lose again? 
So maybe maybe uh, Johnny Depp will sue her for another $10 million. That would be pretty funny. But here she is uh, talking about why we can't trust Johnny Depp or what he said in court. And I thought she made a, an interesting point. Listen. In the closing arguments, the Depp lawyer said, called your testimony the performance of a lifetime and said you were acting. What do you say to that? Says the lawyer for the man who convinced the world he had scissors for fingers. I'm the performer. I had listened to weeks of testimony uh, insinuating that or saying quite directly that, you know, I'm a terrible actress. So I, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit confused how I could be both. Um, you're, you're a terrible actress because everyone knew you were acting. That's the point. Uh, but I, I am shocked to learn that Johnny Depp, so he doesn't have scissors for fingers? I, I, I was totally, I, his performance in Edward's, Edward Scissorhands, Scissorhands was so compelling that like anyone else, I thought this whole, this whole time, I thought, well, he must, he is, he is an embodying, inhabiting this character with scissor hands. He must actually have scissors for hands. And then I, I noticed him in other roles, like in Pirates of the Caribbean, he doesn't have the scissor hands. And I thought, well, that's a, the special effects here are amazing. And I was wondering too, watching in the trial, where are his scissor hands? And now we find out that, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't actually have them. But Amber Heard is right. He did convince us all. We were all fooled to think that he actually had scissor hands. Are you telling me he's not a pirate either? I just, my whole world is collapsing right in front of me. Let's get to our uh, comment section. Who makes a Twitter mob fly off the handle with rage? Who's to blame? It's a sweet baby gang. Black Metal Matters says, Matt, must be uh, Matt must be going through a low T phase, not liking visits to the auto parts store. I love visiting my local auto parts store. Uh, look, listen, man, I just I prefer I just love Rock Auto. Okay, I prefer Rock Auto. That's all. Just leave leave me alone. It is a, it does feel a little emasculating every time we're doing a Rock Auto read, and I have to talk about how much I hate auto parts stores. And, and not only that, but I'm intimidated. I'm intimidated and scared walking through the auto parts store. But it's true. Uh, I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. And that's why I use Rock Auto. So should you. Um, Isabella says, Matt, you should, you should have released your book yesterday. June 13th was MTF Male to Female Pride Day. So sad to see a trolling opportunity missed. Is that actually a thing? I mean, I, why would I even be surprised? So within Pride Month, there are specific Pride Days for each identity within the month. I, di I didn't realize that. So, but now that I know, for the future, more, more trolling opportunities. Let's see. Stella says, oh man, Matt Walsh on a red carpet is what the world needs right now. No, that's not what anybody needs. Least of all me. And you know what? Now I'm getting trolled um, on, you know, on Twitter with photos of me standing awkwardly in the background while Knowles hams it up on the red carpet. There's, I'm seeing a lot of these photos where he's doing this interview and I'm just kind of standing there like the loser at the party in the corner. And that's not even my fault. I was told to stand there because you go through the red carpet and you have someone who guides you along. Actually, it was McKenna guiding me along. So again, blame her for this. Guiding you along from one interview to the next. But I have 
I have Michael Knowles in front of me. So it's supposed to be 30-second interviews, and he's doing 30-minute interviews at each stop. And so I, it's a traffic jam. And all I could do is just stand there waiting for him to finish. And then I look like the dork at the end of it. So yet more reasons to keep me away from red carpets. Um, let's see. I have to disagree with Matt's last point. Being personally fragile is another form of being sensitive. The problem is that personally fragile people ought to be finding ways to toughen up, but instead they often aim to be to be uh, to get gullible, empathetic people and bullies to try and uh, baby-proof the world for them. Well, no, that's my point. There's actually a difference between sensitive and, and fragile. You know, there's a, there's it, it, by definition in reality, like those are two different kinds of people. Um, we often mislabel fragile people as sensitive. But my point yesterday is that uh, it doesn't matter now because word, these words have just become interchangeable. But in reality, there's there's nothing wrong with being a sensitive person. It's actually a good. That's a that's a positive character trait because, as I said, that that's just another way of saying you're empathetic. That's what sensitive means. You can kind of read people. You're aware of how other people are feeling and that sort of thing. Um, but we've used this word to refer to people who are not really sensitive at all because they don't. They're not. They have no empathy. They don't care about anybody else. They have no self awareness. Like, look, if you have no self awareness, first of all, then you're not a sensitive person. That's the opposite of being sensitive. Um, but we take these kinds of people who are just numb to everybody around them and only care about themselves. Uh, but in their own identity, they're completely fragile, and then we label them sensitive, and so that's how this confusion has come about. Um, and finally, Blake says, Matt is right again. Just had a dinner with my family and tried to talk about all the UFO stuff going on right now. Congressional hearings, details of the Tic Tac video, the government admitting that they don't know what these things are, etc. Nobody really engaged with it. And then my sister-in-law blurts out, has anyone been following the Amber Heard trial? Everyone starts chiming in and getting all excited. I was quite literally blown away. I just sat there speechless. Well, I'm, this is this is my life every day, Blake. I should start some sort of. I should start a support group for disenfranchised and rejected UFO enthusiasts. This is what I live with. So you and I, I we understand each other's lived experiences. Last night was finally the premiere of our summer blockbuster, Terror on the Prairie. It's been a long, long wait, but that wait is finally over. It was 18 months ago when Disney canceled Gina Carano and The Daily Wire took action in that moment. Not long after Disney fired her, we announced that she'd be starring in and producing our next original film. And here it is. Gina's back. You'll get to see the proof with Terror on the Prairie. And you can watch it right now and see Gina like you've never seen her before, fighting for her family and for what's right. The Daily Wire's mission as you know, is to bring you fa- uh, films that challenge the viewer without without any agenda except to make great movies. Uh, I'm really excited for everyone to see this film. It's a good old-fashioned, gritty Western without the wokeness. So go to dailywire.com slash Gina to become a member and watch the film. That's dailywire.com slash Gina right now. And the great content doesn't stop there. What is a Woman? The book is out now. You saw What is a Woman? The movie. Now it's What is a Woman? The book. Our latest film, What is a Woman, was a huge success, enormous success, largely due to you. And if you like the film, then you've got to read the book, which is available right now. The book covers all the stuff that the film had to leave on the editing room, uh, editing floor, and it explores in greater detail how this madness permeates every aspect of our lives. So be sure to pick up your copy of my brand new book, What is a Woman Today, on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. For our cancellation today, we head up to a ranch in Montauk, New York, where horses and obesity have combined to create a perfect cancellation 
storm. Perfect conditions for cancellation. NBC News has the important story. It says, Remy, uh, Remy Bader, a TikTok star known for her realistic clothing haul videos. Actually, I have to stop right there because um, we haven't even finished the first sentence, but realistic clothing haul videos. I'm not sure what a clothing haul video is. I'm even less sure how such a video could be unrealistic in the first place. Do most TikTok stars in the clothing haul genre use special effects or CGI? Is she a pioneer of like gritty live action clothing haul videos? These are questions we don't have time to investigate because there are larger problems to deal with. Continuing, Remy Barber uh, Bader, a TikTok star known for her realistic clothing haul videos, claimed that during a recent trip with other influencers, a ranch wouldn't allow her to ride their horses due to her weight. Bader, who has more than 2 million followers on TikTok, was in Montauk, New York, with other influencers on a trip organized by the company Hampton Water Wine over the weekend when she said she was turned away. Now, I'm imagining being stuck on a camping trip or a hiking trip with TikTok influencers organized by a company called Hampton Water Wine, and I'm just filled with dread and despair at the thought of it. I'd probably just steal one of the horses and ride off into the sunset, never to be seen again. That is, assuming all the horses hadn't been crushed to death already, because that's what this woman apparently feels she has the right to do to horses. Reading more, it says, in her initial TikTok post on Saturday, Bader shared a video of the ranch with the text over it saying, Shout out to Deep Hollow Ranch in Montauk for making me leave because I weigh over 240 pounds. The video has received over 1.5 million views. The caption reads, I've rode horses before and I've never had an issue. She asked them to advertise on their signs in the future. Yes, they ought to advertise that on their signs. This is their fault for not putting something on their signs indicating that they'd prefer if their horse's spines were left intact. Because of this oversight, Remy felt entitled to publicly bash this small business. And as a result, the company is now being flooded with negative Yelp reviews, which, by the way, is a potentially fatal blow to any business of this size. After launching this attack and receiving blowback in her own direction, she then claimed that her beef isn't with the weight limit itself, but with the abrupt and insulting way in which she was informed of the weight limit. It's not what they said, but how they said it, she now claims. And for its part, the ranch initially had no comment. Instead, a, a teenage employee took it upon himself to issue his own rebuttal to this woman. And um, I'll just say that his, his PR skills could use a little bit of work. Let's watch. When you're not a fat you can ride a deep hollow ranch. Well, you know, that was rude, certainly. And the video has been deleted, as you'd expect. The ranch has apologized for it. And uh, we could probably assume the kid was fired. But Remy was determined to get the last word. The next day, she clapped back, as the kids say, with this rebuttal. Um, if you don't like me, that's fine. But, you know, watch your mouth. Two million view, uh, followers on that, that account. In summary, a lot of very stupid people are involved in this story, as is so often the case for the things we talk about during this segment and during every other segment of the show. But there are a couple of points I think to be made here. The first is that not every personal gripe needs to be presented to the entire world. So let's just pretend for a moment that Remy was completely polite and accommodating. Maybe she didn't know that horses have weight limits. Maybe she thought that horses have spines made of reinforced steel, and she just didn't realize that this was a thing. And maybe she was very understanding when they informed her of this matter and only became upset because they were rude and insulting about it. Even if that's the case, why does the world need to be involved in this dispute? Why, 
Why would you want the world to be involved? Aren't you embarrassed that you were turned away from a horse ranch because you exceed the weight limit? If that were me, I would go home and pray that nobody posts anything about the incident online. I certainly wouldn't be posting about it myself and tell people about it. But as much as people these days pretend to care so much about privacy, like we've never talked about privacy as much as we do in, in, in our society, yet the fact is that most people want anything but privacy. In fact, most people fear privacy. Privacy to them is akin to annihilation. If they don't post everything online, they'll cease to be, they think. They have an answer to the old tree falling in a forest question. If nobody hears it, it doesn't make a sound. That's their opinion. Just as if nobody knows about every single thing that's happening to them, they don't exist. That's why people will willingly post the sorts of things that people of previous generations would have died to keep out of public view. There are no boundaries, no shame, especially for influencers whose livelihood depends on making a spectacle and controversy out of everything that happens to them. But of course, I don't buy that this person was polite and reasonable and only upset because of the rudeness of the staff at the ranch. Pretty clear, at least initially, that she was simply mad that they wouldn't let her ride the horses. From her perspective, it is well worth sacrificing the physical well-being of a horse in order to protect her own emotional well-being. As Ben Shapiro pointed out in his reaction to the story, these are the wages of expressive individualism. Of course, expressive individualism is the defining philosophy of the modern age. We talk about it all the time on this show, even if not by that name. It's what Carl Truman elucidates so brilliantly in his book, uh, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. He also talks about it in my film, What is a Woman? According to expressive individualism, a person is totally defined by his psychological state, his feelings, his self-perception. The primary point of life, really the only point, is to protect and affirm and reinforce that psychological state. Lives are lived inwardly. Everybody is looking back within themselves all the time, reflecting constantly on their own inner experience. All that matters is the inner experience. Whatever must be done to improve that experience, the one felt inside, the one perceived by the mind, even if it's not always reflected in reality, doesn't matter. Whatever must be done for its sake should be done. That's all. All that matters to the expressive individual is their own psychological comfort. To live authentically is to live in a way that expresses their current psychological state and makes them feel better about it. And if that means crushing a horse, it means crushing a horse. Yes, you know, horses have weight limits in physical reality, but in the mind of this plus-sized rider on the saddle, there is no weight limit. They can do anything that anybody else can do. That's how they perceive the world and themselves, and everybody else's job is to conform to that perception. This mentality obviously has consequences far, far beyond potential spinal injuries to horses, but uh, you know that is one of the that, that's collateral damage. There's a lot of collateral damage left behind as the expressive individual goes about her life, making herself feel better about herself and never worrying about anything else, least of all horses. And that is why she is today finally canceled. I will leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vodowski. Our associate producer is McKenna Waters. 
The show is edited by Robbie Dantzler. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. And hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. John Bickley here, Daily Wire Editor-in-Chief. Wake up every morning with our show, Morning Wire, where we bring you all the news that you need to know in 15 minutes or less. Join me and my co-host, Georgia Howe, for daily coverage of all the biggest stories on Morning Wire. Morning Wire. 